0: Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherds Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching.
1: So as you guys know, we've been talking about spiritual gifts. We're talking about the enabling gifts right now. Um, We've divided the spiritual gifts into three different sections. This is the third section. And I just kind of want to recap at the beginning of each one. There are four enabling gifts, uh, faith, discernment, knowledge, and wisdom. And for those who have been note-taking, if you have a sharp eye, you might realize I actually just switched this week knowledge and wisdom in their order. Um, because all of these are very close in conduct, especially the last three. Uh, if you're not careful, you can almost say that the discernment, knowledge, wisdom, it's all the same thing. It's not. And so we're specifically going through each one to see how they work together and what their differences are at the same time. Uh, And looking at this week, as we're getting further into it, wisdom is so much easier to understand once you understand knowledge. So I wanted to switch that out. But these are the four enabling gifts. I am contending, even though Monica's fighting me on this, that all four of these are spiritual gifts that every Christian has capacity for. The team gifts, we have have two or three that the Spirit's given us that may be different than what Brent has, which may be different than what Ashley has, and we all work together. So that's why we did assessments on those and why we talked about how they work together. These four, I believe, are the power behind the spiritual gifts. And so all of us have the capacity to grow in any of these four and all of these four. And so that's why I'm wanting to break them apart, look at them, because if we're trying to do our spiritual gifts by human effort, it will fall short. We have to do it by Holy Spirit effort, and I believe these are the four that put us in that ballpark: uh, faith and discernment. We talked about. If you missed those, again, those are available on uh, the YouTube channel, on our website, on Facebook. But uh, I do want to just again, since they go so close together, just a little bit of recap here. Uh, faith's definition, if you remember, is the assurance of things hoped for and conviction of uh, the unseen. We see that in Hebrews 11:1. Uh, that of uh, faith really is not just like, well, "Yeah, I believe. I believe." No, I am assured of the things I believe in, and I'm going to act like they will. That's faith. That's when we move forward in faith. You can believe in something and not act in faith, but we're called to act in faith. Uh, discernment is the ability to judge well between what's right, what's wrong, what's Satan, what's of God. Uh, what he's leading it to, what what he's being distracted with. So discernment is a knowledge-based, kind of like knowledge and wisdom, but is different than knowledge and wisdom. So those are the two that we've come through so far. And then today we're going to talk about knowledge. So to give us a working definition to start with, knowledge is to supernaturally know something that you could not possibly know from the natural. To supernaturally know something that you could not possibly know from the natural. That's going to be our working definition. Um, Yeah, there's things I want to say off of that, but you're going to find them as we go. So I think that's where I'm going to leave that right now. So as we've been going through, it's been my goal to look at testimonies of heroes of our faith on seeing these things in action. So we've talked about Noah, and we talked about Rahab last week. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about Jesus, and I've been kind of (laughs) this would be horrible for a pastor to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. I've been kind of avoiding Jesus um, for two reasons when it comes to our examples. One is because we tend to look at Jesus as 100% God, which he is, but we oftentimes kind of forget to remember he's also 100% man. And so it's not like he was born with everything ready to go. He, He, like us, had to learn, had to find, had to experience, had to be able to be led by the spirit and so sometimes when we look at these examples i don't you sitting there going well yeah of course that was jesus he's experiencing the holy spirit in that moment the same way you and i do um the other thing it's kind of about jesus is that jesus is the only man and it's 100 humanist um, uh, that had all the spiritual gifts at full capacity He's the only one that was, was blessed with all the spiritual gifts and grew within them. Uh, so we could look, just stay in the four books of the Gospels and have example after example after example. I like kind of branching outside of that. Uh, however, Jesus is going to be the example of the knowledge, um, but he's not the only example. There's also the example of the woman at the well, the woman without the knowledge that needed to receive. And so I want to go to that story. If you would, go ahead and let's get our Bibles out. We're going to John chapter 4. And we're going to go through the, the story of the woman at the well from that perspective of the gift of knowledge and see what we, um, what we find there. Because I think, again, from the very beginning to the very end, we're going to see um, Jesus acted very different than what Tom would have in this situation. And all of that, I think we'll be able to take back the knowledge. So here we go. You have, again, your versions up and running if you want to use your version. Uh, The Bibles are in the baskets around the room. If you want to use a Bible of ours and then take it home with you, go for it. Give it to somebody else. We don't care. Uh, Actually, we enjoy that. So with that, everybody there? Everybody there? Trey, doing good? All right. knock on. Just make sure sure you wake up already. John 4. Now this one, we're going to read a little, talk a little. Actually, we're going to read a lot and talk a little because I want to save most of the commentary for the end, and this will be a fun game for you. You can see how well I do with that goal. Because I get excited about some of these points and try to jump in a little bit too early. So, here we go. Verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again from Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So, he came to a town of Samaria called Shekar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God uh, and who it is is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Let me stop here for a second because this is just like a really cool Holy Spirit thing this week that um, I want to make sure that we all get to connect with. When I was thinking about going through knowledge, and this story was the first one that came to mind, this testimony, because of... In my mind, the one bit of knowledge that he gave from a spiritual gift standpoint, and I, as I say again, I actually found three or four things that were spiritual gift related. But even though if you had said to me out of the blue, Tom, what did Jesus say to the woman at the well when they first talked? I would have said, if you, if you knew what I was talking about, you would lean into it. But for some reason, it wasn't until this time that I realized, when we're looking at it from a point of knowledge, Jesus said, if you knew. If you had the knowledge, the whole purpose of this particular testimony is to change her life through knowledge. As she, he has, she does not. Verse 11, the woman said to him, so you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? And that's a huge statement we'll talk about in a minute. He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock, and Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, So give me this water so that I may not be thirsty and to come here to draw water. Okay, from us taking and having the scriptural knowledge, most of us have gone through the story before. Can you see just how die or the different way they were reacting to the situation when he had knowledge and she didn't. The conversation is on two different planes and the only difference between them is that he had knowledge and she did not. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Why does she perceive he was a prophet? The knowledge. He had no way of knowing that. 20. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you said that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And when she says you, she means the Jews. Jesus said to a woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But that hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And this is also a huge statement, which I'll explain in a second. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, "I who speak to you, am He." Just then the disciples came back. They marvelled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, "Why do you speak? Or what, what do you speak? Or why are you talking to her?" So the woman left the water jar, went away the town, and said to the people, "Come, see a man who told me all that I have ever done. Who had knowledge that, I, that he shouldn't have had? Can this be the Christ?" They went out to the town and they were coming to him. Jump over to verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Okay, now commentary. I got ahead of myself twice, and I stopped myself. Just saying, if you're playing long two was the answer, then you get the prize. Um, There was no prize. If Tom, of himself, was called to go to a town and evangelize it, I'll tell you how I would do it. I would go in. I've got a lot of event background in my life. I have marketing background in my life. I go in. You find the biggest hall that you can. You bring in a couple of really cool Christian rock bands that people have heard of. You take and start marketing all over town, get the social media going, whole nine yards. You put together a street team three months before. You start praying about it. You start taking people out. You're hitting people up with flyers in different venues. Uh, and you come out and you just rock this message that you've been working on for a month, uh, doing it over and over again so that you just have full control over it. And you go in and evangelize this town. That's not what the Holy Spirit wanted. The Holy Spirit thinks, does things so different than how we do things. I was listening to an interview with a uh, music artist yesterday. And he was talking about something this pastor said. And he was talking about when it comes to uh, our spiritual life, that oftentimes progress in our spiritual life from a kingdom perspective to us looks like we're going back to the beginning. Now, a lot of times we're stripping away things. And a lot of times we're doing things that we didn't expect to be able to progress forward. This is the same thing that we have here. Jesus, you need to evangelize this town. How? Go talk to the most unlikely person and spend some time with them. That's Holy Spirit knowledge because it doesn't make sense to us from a worldly perspective. So with that, let me give you a few points that stood out as I was going through the study from this perspective. First one for our note takers (coughs) is this. Knowledge can bring direction. Knowledge can bring direction. I think a lot of times when we think of a word of knowledge, it's about information. Maybe it's about the future, (coughs) whatever the case may be. But it brings direction and I am of the mindset, and I'll explain as I go here, that you and I um, can, if we don't shut it down, experience words of knowledge daily when it comes to direction. Um, the scripture here tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria to go from uh, down from Judea, which when we, did you remember when we talked about Jesus and that life? Judea was where the ministry was. It was the desert region, but that's a lot of where the danger was. Galilee was up north. That was also Jewish people, not quite the prim and proper ones, not quite the uh, you know the networking chamber of commerce type Jew down here, but the, the, the more the everyday type Jew. It was much more beautiful, uh, lush grounds, a lot safer for Jesus up here. And so he constantly went back and forth. And to do that, he had to. He didn't have to. He went through Samaria. If you had to run from one to the other, one of the options you have is through Samaria. Samaria is a middle region with people that are Jewish of nature, but the Assyrians at one point had taken them over. And there was mixed breeding between the two, so the Samaritans were half Jewish, half uh, Gentile. We've talked about this. Uh, Jews had a lot of racism against them, had a lot of prejudice against them, looked down upon them as lesser than Jews. uh, And for the most part, Jews didn't like Samaritans and Samaritans didn't like Jews. And so, when you've met, if you remember the map that's up here, a lot of times when they were coming from up north, down south, there was a road that ran along Samaria, around the sea, that most Jews would take because they wanted to avoid the Samaritans. They didn't really have anything to do with them. Uh, that, that's where we see the good Samaritan story come into play, is on that road. However, you could go through Samaria and it was shorter. So, with that knowledge in mind... Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. He could have easily taken the road. Okay, so from what John's telling us, that doesn't make sense from a geographic standpoint. Um, However, anywhere you read the Bible, I'm telling you, any detail that you find, it's not by accident. It is God breathed and every detail means something. He used the word have to because he didn't want to say wanted to because he wanted to take the shortcut. He had to because the Spirit told him, you're going to this town. He had the option from a worldly standpoint. He could have done a shortcut, wanted to go through, but he had to because the Spirit said, you're going to this town to have this conversation. Do you see that? That shows the knowledge, the knowledge of the direction. Not only did it tell him the place to go to, but it told him the time to be there. Whenever you're reading things in the New Testament and they're talking about the 6th hour, the ninth hour, they started their day at 6 a.m. is when they would start talking about the time. So when it says the 6th hour, that's why I can tell you that was noon. It was lunchtime. And he was there at the hottest time of the day. The reason why that's important is nobody comes and gets water at the hottest point of the day. They were always there early in the morning because it's quite the chore and the last thing you wanted was the sun beating down on you. The sun's beating down on him and then Jesus is tired and he wants to sit down and he wants a drink of water. The reason he had to be there at noon is because this woman is not respected by anybody in her community. If, if, if she, she's the least of these or the least of these because of the lifestyle that she has had of having five husbands. More than likely... Several of those were divorces, which was unheard of at the time. And she's now living with a man, which is unheard of in this, this culture. She's the least of these. She comes at lunch to avoid everybody else. But the Holy Spirit said, this is when I need you there. This is when I need you there. He had given the place and the time, and he said, I want you to start a conversation with her. What do you have to start a conversation with? The only thing they have in common. We need love, let's talk about water. If you think Jesus in and of himself was smart enough to come up with this great analogy with the water to bring in spiritual principles, I'm telling you the Holy Spirit was the one who gave him the knowledge to start that conversation. And, I, and you can experience this all the time. This is why I, I, I really encourage you guys daily to be praying, Holy Spirit, help me to keep my appointments. I'm not saying, Holy Spirit, help me not be 10 minutes late because it annoys the person that's been waiting on me. Even though if you're a person that's late all the time, Buckle up, come on. Let's be a little bit nicer about it. What I'm talking about is the appointments that you have no clue that are going to happen today. The person you're going to see at the restaurant, at the school, on the volleyball court, uh, at Walmart, whatever the case may be, I hear constantly how God moves in unlikely places and with unlikely people because they said yes to following that direction when the Spirit nudged them. That's the start of conversation. But that even though they don't, maybe even like the person or don't know anything about what's going on in their life. We had uh, <coughs> Friday, uh, Mary and Angie invited me to lunch. Well, Angie was being a bully about it, but they told me I had to come to lunch <coughs> and where I was going to lunch and what time I was going to lunch because they had been going to this particular restaurant and had striked, uh, struck up uh, conversations and had prayed with the waitress there. And the waitress was part-time, uh, but nonetheless... The first time that they had her as a waitress, they talked, prayed. Second time that they went, exact same waitress. Third time we went, they're like, we don't know if she's working or not, exact same waitress. And continually are building on the conversations and the relationship because the Holy Spirit filled out that, that schedule instead of what we tried to do. Does that make sense? So that, 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 to me, is, is part of that spiritual Get the knowledge and lean into it. And the thing that, that's awesome is if you lean into something and you think it's knowledge and you're growing in your capacity, um, the worst-case scenario is you, you show up at Panera at 1 o'clock because you just kind of feel like Steve's going to be there and we need to talk to him. And I'm telling you, like several times, Steve is there, and you get there, and Steve's not there, and you wait around for a little bit. Worst-case scenario, you wasted 10 minutes because you misunderstood the Spirit. Trust me, it's worth it. It's worth it. Following the Spirit this direction. other thing that we see that knowledge does here, that number two, is knowledge can bring scriptural truth. Knowledge can bring scriptural truth. In this case, you do not see Jesus busting out a lot of Old Testament quotes. We see that in several other areas of the Gospels, uh, and predominantly when he does that, he's doing that with Jewish leaders or Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law, people who know the Old Testament and know it well. He does not do that here. He's not necessarily busting out New Testament scripture because it's being written as he speaks. But the reason that he does speak scriptural into this is because he's bringing in those New Testament scriptural principles into a conversation in a way that she understands it. When it comes to the Samaritans, if he was busting out a lot of Old Testament, it would make no sense to her Because Samaritans don't believe in the Old Testament Scripture past the first five books of the Bible, if you don't know that. From from their standpoint and because of the experiences they've had with the Jews, Moses was the last great prophet to them. And so everything after that is rubbish. And so if he's busting out Isaiah and Micah and all these different minor and major prophets, it would mean nothing to her because she doesn't understand any of that. So he is bringing in scriptural truths in a casual way with a metaphor that she can connect with, and that we find that to be the case. In this case scenario, she's bringing in traditional, fine-sounding arguments. Uh, Why are you talking to me as I'm a Jew? Why are you talking to me when you're a man? Uh, You have no bucket. Uh, She's thinking water means physical water. Uh, Jews claim that we must worship in Jerusalem uh, and not here, uh, to the point that uh, I think a few weeks ago we talked about this, the Jewish people f- had come and destroyed their temple in Samaria on the mountain that she's talking about because uh, it wasn't Jerusalem. And so they said this isn't worthy to worship God, so they destroyed it. So they didn't even have a synagogue anymore. Um, so a lot of her perspective had to do with how she was treated in a limited amount of scripture, where Jesus was bringing in living water. He was bringing in worship in spirit and in truth. He was talking about how this is good news for everybody. So it didn't matter Jew or Gentile. didn't matter if she was a mixed breed. didn't matter if she's a woman. doesn't matter if she's a man. He's bringing in the scriptural promises, the scriptural truths that debate and destroy the things that you and I believe in that, well, it just seems to me that that makes sense. That's the type of stuff you always have to bring things back to the scripture. And then here's, here's the two things that I think are phenomenal. One, she asked, are you the Messiah? Right, you see that in verse 25. I know the Messiah is coming. He, he is uh, okay. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. The thing, reason why that's huge is Samaritans didn't believe in the Messiah coming. The least of these within the community actually believed more than the other people in their town. They believed Moses was the last prophet, and they're waiting for the next and final prophet. There was nothing about a Messiah because they had no messianic prophecies, because they didn't believe in anything past the first five books. Yes, we see Jesus foreshadowed all through the books of Moses. But they didn't have the prophecy, so they didn't believe. She did. But even before that, when she got to the first big statement, was, um, are you greater than Jacob? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Um, the Samaritans come from the line of Jacob. If you read the rest, everything else with the Jews, it's about Father Abraham, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, Father Abraham. They traced from Jacob, and they took great pride in it. Jews, full blood of Jews, didn't believe that because they're now mixed bleed, right? So th- this, is, this is where a lot of that comes in. But f- for them, their great hero is Jacob, not Abraham. And so finally, while she's, not, she's looking for a prophet, she's already, in this short amount of time, with this knowledge being given to her, has gotten past the water thing, gotten to the point that there's something about this guy. He might be the last great prophet to actually believing that there might be a Messiah, So she says to him, are you the Messiah? Yep. Are you greater than Jacob? Yep. Do you have water that's greater than the water that Jacob gave us? Yep. Over and over again, she's receiving the knowledge. If you only knew, if you only knew what I offer. Third one is this. Knowledge can bring supernatural information. And I think this is one that most people think about. And Sometimes we call it a word of knowledge. Um... But information past direction and those type of things. But information about somebody's life uh, or something that they've gone through or that they're going through that there is no way in heaven or hell you should know that outside of anything uh, supernatural. It's just physically you do not know it. Uh watched a movie the other day with uh, like this false medium type thing and she got all this information from people beforehand so she could drop knowledge information that they didn't know she already had so she looked like she was spiritual, and all that type of stuff. I'm not talking about mediums. Stay away from mediums. I'm talking about crystal ball stuff. Stay away from crystal ball stuff, psychics, all that crap. Um, This is the Holy Spirit has revealed to you some information you need to do what he's calling you to do in that moment. Uh, I'll give you an example from my life, and I this is going to be kind of like the, I kind of avoid Jesus thing on that, the the testimonies we've been going through. I kind of avoid these type of examples because they're From a human standpoint, they're like big or like bigger type thing. Um, And I want us to to be able to see knowledge in the day-to-day. But at the same standpoint, I like dropping these out sometimes because time and time again, I've seen people going through big spiritual warfare things that they think is weird and no one's going to understand. I want to let you know I'm weird and I understand. Um, But at Judson Hills, the camp I grew up at, um, spiritual warfare as a pastor or director, was very uh, different than spiritual warfare day-to-day or even here at the church because you have a group of kids or teenagers that have walked away from everything for a week just to focus on God. And that's not something Satan really likes. And so with being those who stand in the gap on that spiritual warfare between what Satan wants and what the kids need, Uh, it it is a different type of spiritual warfare to the point that when Jenny and I were dating, a buddy of mine who had known about some of it, like on our second or third date, was telling her about it, and she was thinking I was extremely weird and like Ghostbusters type stuff. Um, And I'm like, dude, you really need to shut up because I kind of like this one. Um, (laughs) But, so different years, there there might be different things throughout it, but this one year I remember uh, we were dealing with, just anger, just a, a demonic presence of anger in a huge, massive way, and um, and it was where you could sense and feel the demonic and the angelic and what God was doing, and what you know how how it was moving and whatnot. not. And we would spend a lot of night time, at night after kids went to bed, praying and seeking things out. And um, this year I had a different assistant director. It's the first time, the only time I had this as assistant director. I'm going to call him Steve, but I'm probably going to mess up and call him his real name here in a second, anyways. Um, but Steve was decently spiritually immature and had a, a pretty rough background but I was mentoring him and so he was assistant director that week and so we're going through all this stuff and we get to the last night and it was just heavy I mean it was just really really heavy and we're in what's called the Red Apple it's a little building that, that the staff stays in and I'm like I could, I could do you feel what I'm feeling he's like yes I feel what you're feeling I was like okay so this is a confirmation and we start praying. And if you want the full story, hit me up later. But experience that happened several years ago that came to mind that told me where we needed to go location wise in Wren. Um, that's a, that, that takes too long to, to talk about. But Spirit directed us where to go to in Wren. And him and I were standing there. And it's at the end of this large path that goes up the, the, the hill, it's a very steep path. The girls, they just got to walk down a little hill and go into their cabins. We had to walk up this big. Big, steep hill to get to the lake to. Is that right, Brent? That's right. We know the pain. Um, so we were standing there, and there's some people over here in another building talking, but they couldn't hear us. I couldn't hear them. Just, they were just over there. And the way that it was sensed, it sensed like this anger was like a boulder rolling down the hill directly at us, uh, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, but like times 10 times size. It's just You could just sense it, feeling we're all the way down, our we're praying, and it hits us. And then it's gone. And it's gone. So it's like, okay, you take a second. And I look at him, and the Spirit says, it's him. So I look, Steve, I got the name right again. In the eyes, I said, it's you, isn't it? He goes, yes, I hate you. I said, how much? He goes, if I could right now, I'd motor you where you stand. And I, I grabbed the back of his neck with one hand, put my hand on his fist the other, and just started rebuking the living daylights out of, out of it. And about 30 seconds later, he passed out. Everybody came running, trying to figure out one was a nose, so she's thinking something major had happened. He woke up, he couldn't remember any of it. Um, still to this day, can't remember any of it. It's been 25, 30 years maybe ago. Um, and then I learned about things in his past and things that he was still dealing with stronghold-wise. That could have impacted the entire ministry. But with the word of knowledge and with the power of Jesus Christ, he was able to have the victory. That's a big moment. We have little moments all the time. All the time. Um, Some examples, as I was writing down, of times I remember is when uh, we were talking about over here somebody calls the break room. They're happy, joyful, everything's going great. And you got on your heart and you go over to them and say, Are you okay? There's something in my spirit telling me that you're not okay, and they almost always tell you, "Yeah, I'm fine." Always go for the second one. Okay, then maybe I'm off. But I, I thought the, the spirit was just kind of telling me that you weren't not doing okay. Well to be honest. Okay, it, it's just you had no reason. It, it's not nothing worldly. It wasn't it had a sad face on. Not something because you knew something about no life, but you could just sense it. That's that information you don't know. Uh, I, I've seen times, um, is the situation you're dealing with in your marriage, is it left over from the issues you have from your first marriage? How did you know I was married before? Um, I've seen, I'm, I'm getting a word, I've just on my heart, that that job you're considering is not of God, and you, you should really reconsider that. I just got that email last night. How did you know about that job? That's how a word of knowledge works a lot of times. Just out of the blue, you're talking to a friend, and they've been doing victorious for a long time and you just look at them in the eyes and say, are you struggling with porn again? Is that, is that something that, 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 that you're struggling with? Seriously, if you're doing it with fullness, and worst case scenarios, you're wrong. And they say, hey, look, look, I've got a friend who reached out. But the more you do it, you're going to start hearing that whisper differently and experiencing that knowledge more and more if you get a word of knowledge to you let me give you two pieces of advice with this okay if you get a word of knowledge, somebody comes to you and they say something do not auto reject it that's note number one don't auto reject it a word from the Spirit can change everything no matter how freaking uncomfortable it makes you feel Uh, in this case it was a very uncomfortable conversation for the woman at the well until she received the knowledge When she received the knowledge, she was imparted to give it to others, and it changed the whole community. It changed everything for her. She now had freedom. She now had restoration. She now had community again. I I guarantee you she never had to go to the well at noon again. Never once. Um, One story, this is the one that, that always cracks me up when somebody... It not cracks me up, but it just seems so obscure, but I'm just so impressed with how this particular person received a word of knowledge. Um, I'm going to go, to, if you want to, it's just John 1. It's just a couple of pages over if you have your Bible open. Um, I'll read it to you and then I'll show you the key voice of it. John 1, 45. Uh, Philip, one of the very early disciples of Jesus, found Nathanael who ended up becoming a disciple of Jesus. Philip found Nathanael. And said to him, we found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, that's crap. You're wrong. So Philip said, come and see. Great, great, great words to take us from chair one to chair two. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said, how do you know me? In other words, why are you buttering up to me, or why are you, you know, brown-nosing me? And, and this, is, this is awesome. Jesus simply says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Okay, put that up on the, script, the, the screen. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Why? Didn't I see you under the fig tree? Jesus were you hiding across the field with binoculars? Did I not see you over there? It wasn't any possibility. There's nobody there. Did Philip come up and tell you this and you're dropping that? Does it come off as you're like more impressive than you are? No, he just walked in with me. There's no way that you know that. That knowledge alone was enough for this boy to say, You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. A word of knowledge can change everything. Don't be afraid to accept a word of knowledge, no matter how uncomfortable it is or how against your grain it is. Suggest number two, when you receive a word of knowledge, don't receive it as gospel. Also, still be leery. You've got to have both because people will misuse word of knowledge left and right. People will want to feel important and have a spotlight on them because they knew something that nobody else could know, and sometimes they're wrong. And a lot of times that will especially happen if it has to do with the future. And they can set you up for great damage as well. So how do you protect yourself in such a way that you need to receive the word of knowledge but also be leery of that word of knowledge? And it comes back to the fact that knowledge is one of the four empowering gifts and we need to be using all four. Once I receive the word I got to act in faith but before I receive the word I have to use discernment. Discernment comes into play between that speaking of the word and receiving of that Word. Um I was at the hospital with my cousin. You guys know my cousin's story uh, somewhat, and when she was in the hospital, I was there visiting with her, and she was in a shared room with the curtain down the middle type thing, and the people over here heard us you know, talking about God and talking about church and stuff, so they're excited because we're Christians too, and he came over, and he's like, oh, you guys are Christians? And we're like, yeah, and he's like, well, have you heard a pastor so-and-so? And I'm like, no, and he's like, how are you a Christian? You haven't heard a pastor so-and-so. Like, if you're not this guy, like, how in the world? And I was like, well, you're right, I am damned. Uh, I'm like, no, I've never heard this. And it's a guy that has a TV show on some channel someplace, and he has words of knowledge all the time. And this guy buy, buys into everything that this guy says, and it's all about the future. And he it was very uh, zealot about it and goes into this big, long, very uncomfortable rant. Uh, and I can tell you from a biblical standpoint, very much a train wreck, uh, because he's receiving knowledge without discernment. He's not matching it up to the scripture. We don't want to be that person. We don't want to take and fall into those those type of things because when we receive knowledge with discernment and walk in it by faith, then we're people of integrity and people trust us. So, what you do? You remember that's one of the four gifts and you bring the discernment. As a matter of fact, Jesus believes in discernment to this level. Uh, We'll put up John 5, 19. This is how we see it in Jesus' life. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, the Son could do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, then that the Son does likewise. Even Jesus himself used a submit. He would not speak. He would not show up. He would not do anything, unless if he saw God was the one directing it and doing it. And we need to be the same. So with that, and that's again John 5:19. Uh, I want to kind of bring it together with a slide there from Warren Rearsby. And I know I quote people because I like the quote, and I do look them up to make sure that they're not nuts or Satanists. Uh, but this this one, I actually know who Warren Rearsby is. And if you don't know who Warren Rearsby is, uh, in your studies, it might be a good one to take a look at. He has incredible commentaries. Uh, the easiest way to get started with Warren Rearsby is as a, a study Bible uh, that came out a couple years ago. came out, I think, two months before he passed away. Um, and it has just great teachings within it. But knowledge revealed, and this is him specifically talking about this testimony, does three things. One, it tells us who Christ was, or who Christ is. It told her what he had to offer. Knowledge is the same true here. And three, how she could receive him. And that's what knowledge is given to us for. The purpose is not to come off cool, not to come off like a bona fide fortune teller, it is to do the work of the Lord and lead people to Jesus. And oftentimes I will help people leave from where they're at and come back to the beginning and meet Christ there. So the questions has become how, praying about that, leaning into it, trusting that still, small voice, experimenting it, with it in a, a humble way and reaching out to others around you. But more importantly, with the knowledge that Christ shared with her, how it affects you. What areas of your life do you need to come back? Imagine, I, I remember I, people say all the time, like if I could go back and be a teenager again, knowing what I know now, I would do things so different. Some people say, I'd never do it different because that's what made me, or whatever. You're, you're, you're a philosopher. Okay, I would do things so differently. Imagine... When we're saying, I don't want to go back to begin. I don't want to start again, I don't want to get this far and then I start going off and I don't want to have to go back here and do a progress, imagine how much better you do now having that stuff learned, given over to Christ, and He takes those ashes and turns it into beauty with the knowledge that He's given you through the Spirit.
0: If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast, or better yet, Stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.